Hey everybody, good to see you this evening, this afternoon. Uh, this is um, the session on breaking church growth barriers. Uh, my name is Eric Matoya, my wife here is Sincerity. We're ARC Church Plant number 443, and uh, we love the ARC family, and we're glad you're here. And I have the privilege of introducing Pastor Chris Songson, uh, who's going to be doing the session today. Uh, this guy is hilarious. Uh, he's a great pastor. Um, I enjoy uh, just hanging out with him and talking to him. Um, I went down to Haiti with him. One of the things I love about Chris probably the most is his heart for the poor around the world. So he's part of uh, Feed Convoy of Hope, their Feed One initiative. They feed kids all around the world. And I was able to hang out with him and see what they, that work they're doing. Uh, but he's also a church planner, planted in 1998. Uh, South Hills uh, Church here in California, and have just done an incredible job. Tons of campuses now, and um, he's, he's awesome. So um, it's my pleasure to be introduced to Pastor Chris Tews, author, uh, speaker, uh, not just the church world, but also to the corporate world. He speaks in a lot of different um, different venues. Um, he's awesome. I, I kind of think of him like um, Seinfeld crossed with like the church, right? Like a pastor. It's awesome. He, he's great. So he can um, have, have some time hanging out with him after. I think you, you have some books at the end of this. Books available um, if you guys want to learn some more and grab some more. And uh, so, yeah. So would you, would you do, do me a favor and uh, give uh, Pastor Chris Songson a hand today? Yeah. That was an amazing introduction. I was thinking, who's he talking about? It sounds really good, but he's not that good. Anyway, how's everybody doing today? Awesome. Hey, let's have some fun in here. We're going to learn. We're going to grow. We're going to develop and learn a little bit about breaking church growth barriers. As you said, my name is Chris. I am the lead pastor, founding pastor of South Hills. We have a bunch of campuses, uh, both our official campuses and our network. We have about 30, or no, 29, I think, 29, and uh, all over the United States and a couple different countries. Uh, also have Church Boom which is a big part of our organization uh, where we do a lot of coaching. We coach and resource churches, about 600 churches a month right now. Uh, and I'm married to a beautiful Hispanic woman who's standing right over there. Give her a big hand just for being her. Oh, the crowd goes wild. Yeah. Oh, no, she's hot. And, uh, um, and we have two amazing children. And then we got this third one. No, I'm um, no, we, we have a son, and he is, he is, uh, uh, he is Mr. Fitness. He is 23 years old. Matter of fact, if you're single and in that age group, there's an application. No, John, uh, there. But he, no, he's like Mr. Fitness, Mr. Workout, and gets up early and all fitness. And we have a daughter, and, and she texts. That's it. But she's, <laughs> we're just so proud of her. Um, believing God for a scholarship. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, it's awesome to be here. Hey, uh, part of Church Boom uh, that we have, we feel that that's part of our, our thing, our church. We have a thing called Church Boom, and uh, matter of fact, do you have a watch on? Do you have a watch that actually display? Oh, it's one of those fancy ones. I need an actual. My watch doesn't work. I need to keep track of time. Yours looks like it works. Yeah, I do. Look at that. It might not get a back. Look at that thing. It's like a grandfather clock. Look at that. Thing. <laughs> look at this thing. Oh, I'm gonna keep track of time. Look at this thing. Wow, it's sleek. All right, it's an arc watch. Um, number four hundred forty-three. No, show. <laughs> But, uh, but no, seriously, it, uh, we have a ministry that we do uh, through our church called Church Boom, and we come alongside churches and help them figure out how to grow. Because how many know that it can get really frustrating when your church isn't growing, and you look at the guy across the street or down the road, and you're like, I know I pray more than he does. <laughs> he's not even a Christian. How's, he's barely a pastor, you know? You, you and come on, let's get honest. Okay, let's just all be honest and all act like everything's going great. Sometimes ministry can suck and it not go well. Yeah, have you ever thought that before? It's like, man, I love ministry. It's the people I, I really don't like. But um, but you sit there and you think, okay, man, like, why isn't my church growing the way that guy's is growing? I, I pretty much as he does. I think I even speak better than he does. And then and then when they call it, hey, we're going to another service, you're like, praise God. Oh, he's good. You already notice that it's, it's more—it's a lot easier to uh, be sorrowful for those who are sorrowful than it is to rejoice with those who actually rejoice. You know, it's, it's like, oh, your church is going down. Oh, let's get together and talk about it. Your church is going great. Yeah, God bless you. Get away from me. It, it's different. <laughs> and because it's really hard, and I know what that's like. And so what I want you to do is I hope you got a pen or paper or iPad, something, or whatever you do. Take a ton of notes because I'm going to fly with a bunch of notes for the next 55 minutes. At the very end, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Uh, we want to gra grab your email, give you an opportunity to join Church Boom for a first month free to check it out. I wrote a book. You'll get it. It's over there called When Your Church Feels Stuck. 
Uh, it's got the endorsement forward by Andy Stanley. He, he writes on here that this is the blueprint to grow your church and get it unstuck. And I encourage you to buy one for everyone on your team. We'll talk about that at the end. And I wrote a book came out a couple months ago called Quit Church. You might have seen it on Fox News or all over the place. It's actually the second fastest selling book in America right now, and it's crazy. And uh, there's six hundred dollars each. No, I'm just joking. You guys kind of laugh. You're like, is he really serious? Because it sounds like no. Uh, but anyway, you can check that out. But hey, let's get into it. I want to take you through six phases of a church, and I want to put it on the screen right here. And you can take pictures of it. You can write it out. But let's run right through it because there's a lot to cover. Number one, there is the launch phase. Say launch. Okay, launch is what you did. How many launched in the last twelve months? How many launched five years or less? Okay, most of, most of us, okay, you launched. And it doesn't matter if you launched a year ago, five years ago, or 10 years ago, when you're stuck, stuck stinks. And we've all had a launch. We launched 20 years ago. We have multiple campuses and all sorts of madness going on now, but we launched back before there was art and everything else. It was like, here's 50 bucks and God bless you, you know, and, and we just kind of figured it out. And we had the most difficult launch, I think. I, I, I compare launch stories all the time. And I think our, our launch story is one of the worst ever. We, what we did, videos, was way back when VHS was on its way out and DVD was on its way in. And we made a four-minute video about our church. That was going to be our promo. And you know how hard it is to make a four-minute video about a church that doesn't exist? You know what I mean? You got people on there going, this changed my life. I'm like, you liar, we haven't had a search yet. And, uh, <laughs> but you, you, you make this four-minute. So we made this four-minute video. We copied it. We raised a bunch of money. And we made 10,000 videos. And then we took them to the mailhouse. The mailhouse is the place that, you know, where, where they put resident or whatever, you know. And you take it there and you're like, okay, this map area, 10,000 videos here. Well, there was a problem in the mailhouse, long story short, the night before, uh, or the day, the day before they sent them out. There was a problem in the mailhouse and the, and the machine that labels everything got stuck. So watch this. Of that, this is the launch of our week of our church. 7,000 of our 10,000 videos went to the same home. Off to a good start. So whatever horror story you have, that's part one. The other part, now, the lady called me up. They were, they're called, they're, uh, because the, do you think the post office would be like, hey, you know, this isn't good. Obviously, there's a problem. No, they just stack them, you know, on pallets. And I'm like, in front of the lady's house, and she called me up, and she was letting me have it. She was like, there were like four or five syllable customers. I was writing them down. I'm like, I never heard that before. That's really good. Um, but they were just, now, give me the other part that was a nightmare. They were called once past tapes. Once past tapes are tapes that were a tape before, and like, you know, uh, whatever, uh, some motivational tape or aerobic tape or something, and then they clean it and relabel it and all that. Well, of the 3,000 that got to the right house, some guy called me up and he's like, hey man, he goes, uh, um, I'm, I watched your video, and he goes, I gotta let you know. He goes, before you come on the first three or four seconds, I don't know how to say this. I mean, sir, I don't know, you know, it's the week of our lunch. He goes, I don't know how to say it. He goes, but the first three or four seconds, there's a couple people on there, on there, and uh, they don't have any clothes on. And I'm like, this is good. Um, it's all in the same day. Seven thousand go to one place. Soft porn goes to the other place. It's all happening. And I'm thinking, you know, people call me up. I'm like, hey, we want to reach people. You know, we'll do it. Um, we had a huge launch, though. It was amazing. I was like, large male attendance. Anyway. Um, that was our launch. And then, so we got through that, but God blessed it, you know, and it took off and it was really good. The second phase of a church is utopia. Say utopia. utopia. Now, what is utopia? Here's utopia. I'm going to take some notes here. It's when everything is going right, but you don't know why. Here's the problem. If you don't know why everything is going right, you won't know how to fix it when it's going wrong. Like where we're growing, and all of a sudden we're not growing. Because you got into utopia. We were in utopia. Everything was going right, man. Our church was exploding. We were in phase two of a church. It was exploding, growing, going wild. It was awesome. Man, and it was going great. I'll never forget, we had a baptism at somebody's house about a year into our church. It was just exploding, 200, 300, 400. It was going crazy. And then we had this guy come up to us, and we were at a baptism. I'll never forget it. And I'm, I'm, we baptized in some people's backyard. You know how that is. We were meeting in the middle school, the whole thing. Like, we're all experiencing whatever. And uh, so we're, we, we're, we did some baptism, and this guy comes up, and he goes, he goes, hey, man, and he's eating a hot dog right after the baptism in a little barbecue. 
And he, we baptized his daughter earlier, you know, that day. And it was his, like, second time to our church. She'd been coming for, like, six months. And she was, like, 14 years old. He's eating a hot dog. He's dripping mustard and ketchup down his shirt. He's like, hey, man, uh, I've been here at your church a couple times. And I was thinking maybe I can give you a little bit of money. Maybe help you buy a building. I know you're a new church. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't know how much money you have. You can't eat. And, um, <laughs> but he's like, no, whatever. Just give me your phone number. I give him my phone number. A couple weeks ago, later he calls. And he goes, hey, man, what's your routing number? I give him my routing number. A couple more weeks later, go by. He goes, hey, did you get that money? I said, uh, I don't know. And I don't even know what he was going to do. I don't know. I had no idea why he wanted a routing number and all that. But, you know, people want it. I don't know if you want it. Get a pin. And, uh, and he says, hey, man. He goes, uh, did you get the money? I said, I don't know. He goes, well, check. So I call. I had no idea. I call. You know, it's just like a Wells Fargo or Bank of America or whatever. It was automated. I push number one for recent deposits. It says, a deposit was made in the amount of $300,000. He lives with my wife and I now. And, uh, um... <laughs> We love Uncle Steve. He's a guy. Christmas cards, everything. Uh, but everything was going right. And then we got to Whirlwind. Say Whirlwind. Now, what is Whirlwind? Whirlwind is like this. Whirlwind is kind of like being in Walmart and watching one of those dust bowls. You know what I'm talking about? Watch this. It goes like this. The dust bowl kind of goes up and goes down. Okay, let's just all say our church is 100 right now. Everybody in your church, it doesn't matter if it's 500 or 50. Let's just all say our church is 100 right now. This is what Whirlwind looks like. And I hear it all the time. Remember, we're coaching and resourcing 600 churches a month. So we hear a lot of the same stories. And this is what we hear all the time. It's like my church gets to 125, 130, 140, back down to 100. 125, 130, 140, back down to 100. 130, 140, and then back down to 100. Anybody identify with that at all? It's like, why can't we seem to break that lid? What seems to be the problem? We're going to resolve that today. Let's resolve this world. Um, so iPhone is spinning. Um, now the fourth phase is increase. Say increase. Now increase, that's where you want to live. You want to live in increase. Okay, increases when you have, are you ready? Sustainable and duplicatable growth. Sustainable and duplicatable growth. It's when you're growing, and it's just like, man, it's like 10, 15%. That's really easy when you're 100 to grow 15%. When you get to like 2,000, 50% is a real struggle. But increase. Now, here's the thing. You have to go through phase one, two, three, and four. You don't need to go to phase five and six. And I don't think any of us are there. But quickly, I'll tell you, merry-go-round. Merry-go-round, and many of us have seen churches like the merry-go-round, is it? Here's a merry-go-round. This is it. The view's always the same, and you're never making any progress. That's merry-go-round. The view's always the same, but you're never making any progress. That's merry-go-round. Then there's slow death. Last year, last year, America shut down. Are you ready for this? 300 churches every Sunday. 300 churches every Sunday shut down. Think about how many we have to open just to keep up with the attrition. That's a, that's a disaster. We're going the other way. And I don't, not, not to be all doomsday, you're like, hey, I went to the breakout with Chris. We're all depressed. Let's go home. Um, but that's slow that. Now, here's the thing. People say, for instance, 300 churches will shut down this Sunday. Did they die this Sunday? No, they've been dying for the last 10 years. The death just showed up this Sunday. Because they didn't pay attention to the problem. And they have to pay attention to the problem. Here's what I always say. Pay attention to the tension. There's something in you that says something is wrong. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to identify where you think you're at. Where are you at in all this? I think our church is in whirlwind. I want you to think right now. Everybody begin to think. I think our church is in whirlwind. I think our church is still in utopia. I think somehow we managed to quickly go from increase right over the merry-go-round, and we're not really making much progress. And it kind of just got going like, I want you to think about where you think your church is at. Now, here's the thing that you need to understand and why it's important for us to continue to see the growth that we want to see. Again, this is breaking church growth barriers. No doubt God's got to be in control. Amen? Yeah. We've got to have God in control. We know the Holy Spirit's got to move. God's got to move. We've got to do all that. I'm, but remember, this is a very... I don't want you walking out going, he didn't say anything about the Holy Spirit or God. He doesn't like Jesus. Um, I'm talking very practical here. Okay, Getting really practical. But let me get real practical. Put it on the screen for me. The longer your church settles at a number, the longer it will take to break through. The, here, here's a statement for you. Ready? The cement is settling at your church. Be careful. Be careful because the cement is settling at the church. It's settling. It's, it, the, and, and you know what not only is happening is your cement settling, your culture is being set. Yeah. See, the, right now your river's going like this. 
But soon it's just going to go like this. The river's going to settle. The direction is, you're choosing the direction. See, that's the thing with church planning. When you inherit a church, it's like you can always blame the former pastor. When you're a church planner, whatever problems you have, you created it. So, so now you get to blame yourself. So that's the longer you're there, the longer you're there. Now here's the thing. There is the God factor and the leadership factor. The God factor says we can't do anything without God. The leadership factor says that God doesn't do anything without leaders. And I think one of the things that we need to always be doing is, God, I need to stay hungry and humble. As my friend Brad Brad Lominick always says, stay hungry, humble, and hustle. God, i got to do those three things. And that's what we want to do for the next few minutes. We want to dive in, lay all egos at the door, and just say, what do we do to fix this so that we can be the church God called us to be? I want to be able to help you in those areas to be the church that God called you to be. So we want to talk about that. God factor says we can't do anything without God. There's no doubt. Leadership factor says that God doesn't do anything without leaders. From the beginning, Genesis to Revelation, God always uses leaders. And God will reach your city. I didn't say he was going to use you to do it. But he will reach the city. Because he's going to have his will be done. And my hope is that all of us are like, I don't want in. I don't want to be on the sideline. I want to be in the game. And I want to do everything I can, God. So I'm going to learn, grow, develop, get hungry. That's why we created Church Boom. That's why I think everyone should have a coach, not just a mentor, but a coach that says, here's what you need to do. Uh, there's three or four guys in here I coach on a regular basis. I'm sitting right here from New Mexico and Northern California. These are guys I coach on help and on a regular basis. Do you know why? Because professionals get coached and amateurs learn by trial and error. That's it. I just want to be a pro. You want to be a pro or an amateur? Which one do you want to be? I want to learn, I want to grow, I want to develop. So now, here's the thing, just real quick. How many, when you read that, thought, my church is in, let's just quickly go, forget launch, my church is in Utopia. Anybody thought their church is in Utopia? Okay, one, two, all right. We need to get around you because life's going good for you guys. Um, okay, how many thought maybe your church was in Whirlwind? Yeah, I figured that's usually. How many maybe thought your church was in Increase right now? Amen, good. How about in uh, Merry-Go-Round? Anybody in Merry-Go-Round? Okay. Slow death, didn't slow death? If you've only been going for a couple of years, it's not that slow. Um, so let me give you this. Why church, I'm gonna, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk quickly about why churches get stuck and then how to get unstuck. Because I promise you, if you right now you're saying, man, I'm going to increase. We're going great. That's awesome. Momentum is your best friend. But let me tell you something. You think momentum is hard to get going. It's even harder to keep going. And so, don't be, do not go into uh, hubris. Maybe I know what hubris is. It comes from Jim Collins' book, but it's the idea that, yeah, we're going good, everything's good. You need to learn how to stay in the strong momentum. Because once you lose it, you're like, it's so hard to get back. So let's figure that out. Let's talk about why churches get stuck. Why do churches get stuck? Number one, when the church outgrows the leadership team. Now, Here's what I believe. You're thinking, well, the church will never outgrow the leadership team. I believe that. I think everything rises and falls on leadership, and the church will never outgrow the leadership team. So that's kind of an oxymoron statement. But let me show you what I mean by this. When the church outgrows the leadership team. Okay, follow me. You need to look up here. Now, here, here's the deal. I want you to pretend. I, I don't have a whiteboard, so let's just pretend this is a, a line. My hand is a line. And this line is growth, and this line is leadership. Okay? Growth and leadership. Now, here's the thing. Growth and leadership. This is what's going to happen in your church. Watch this. We go to you go. What you, you, you go like this, right? This is it. Yeah, yeah, eighty. Remember the hundred? We're all just saying our church is hundred here, just for easy discussion. You know, you're kind of right here, 90, 100, 110, You know, whatever. You're kind of going like this. No, but here's the thing. Think of it like an EKG. The leadership line and the growth line. Growth line here. Leadership line here. They always go together. They always go together. Now watch this powerful part. Remember when he said, it's like I go 130, 140, 150. Okay, when the growth line takes off, one of two things will happen. Either the leadership line will catch up to it, or the growth line will come back down and meet the leadership line. They will separate, but they will only separate for a very short season. You need to understand that. Your church's growth and the leadership line, they will separate, but they will only separate for a season. They will not separate forever. Either leadership's going to come back up and meet it, or growth is going to come back down and meet it. That's why people say, it's like we go to 130, 140, back down 100. I can tell you exactly what the problem is. The growth line, your church is 10 months pregnant. It wants to grow. But the leadership line needs to catch up to it. 
not only our leadership, but the leaders around you. Developing your leadership, you becoming a better leader, the people around you becoming a leader. There's two thoughts I have for you on that leadership. Number one is you have to get people around you that are not managers, they're leaders, because that's a major difference. Even your head usher needs to be a leader, not a manager. You should be investing in the people that are with you. Leadership. Everything is rises and falls on leadership. And you got to grow as a leader, and the people around you have to grow. So if you're the lead pastor and you've got six people around you, okay, understand something. Let's say that, you're, just for sake of argument, this is all your staff here, and you guys are all fives. Okay, understand something about leadership. Sevens don't follow fives. Threes follow fives. People always say, man, I can't seem to get great leaders around me. Well, guess what that's saying? You don't attract what you want. You attract what you are. If you want sevens, be an eight. But if you want threes and fours, all you got to do is be a five. Grow your leadership. Grow the people around you. It's when church outgrows the leadership team. It's, it's the EKG. Second thing, quick, quickly. When there is an absence of clarity. Now, hey, as we're going along, if you have a question, just put your hand up right in there and ask me a question. I have no problem stopping. When there is an absence of clarity. Now, this is the second part. Okay, here's the two things we always ask people. Of course, we have on campus, but from our church leadership development side, here's the things we always ask people. Two questions I ask every single pastor. What do you do? How do you get it done? That's great. What I've noticed is pastors can usually answer the what can you do part. What do you do? Well, we love God, love people, and change the world. <laughs> you know, we grow up, up, and in. You know, it's some little fancy mission statement, you know. But here's the real question. How do you actually do that? That's right. Well, we just love God, love people. See, most, most, here's the thing. Most churches think from, most pastors think from top to bottom. They don't think from left to right. Wow. Top to bottom, ready? Love God, love people, and, and change the world. That's our mission. And then you know what they do? They name all the programs they do. Underneath, if this, if this was a whiteboard, mission, and then they list all the programs. Rather than thinking from left to right, how do we actually get people from the community into our church on Sunday morning? But how do we get those people to become volunteers and leaders in our church? Like, how do we go from community to crown and core? How do we actually do that? I do a lot of this talking to pastors. And most of the time, hey, what do you do? They can come up with something. And how do you get it done? Well, I don't know. I'm not really sure. You know, when it comes to mission statements, we usually do something like this. Does this sound familiar to you? Mission statement at a church. Maybe you worked at a church like this. Maybe you were that church. Maybe you remember this thing. Here's a, usually a mission statement for a church. They start crafting a mission statement. They debate wording, choose key scripture, excitement begins to build. Anybody sound familiar at all here? Send out an all church mailer, email, whatever, inviting people to the service where the mission statement will be revealed. Order banners and put them on the wall. Pastor preaches on it. After service, a big sigh of relief. And then everything goes back to normal. Anybody identify with that? That's not a mission. That's just some statement. You've got to move from what's written on the wall to being lived out down the hall. That's totally different. What is the mission of your church? What's the one thing that you're trying to do? At our church, we're about leading unchurched people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Period. End of story. Everything we do, all the money we spend is based on this one idea. How do we lead unchurched people into a growing relationship? And then we have a strategy that says, this is how we do it. And we break it down. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But we break it down into saying, how do we actually do this thing? Here's what I know about strategy. To be unclear is to be unkind. To be unclear is to be unkind. You have to be clear about what you're going to do and where you're headed. I told you my daughter, uh, we have a son and we have a daughter. Years ago when my kids were much smaller, my son was like seven years old. My my daughter, uh, they're about seven, eight years old, about that age. And my son had one of those... um, Bikes, you know, a little bike, and, and I don't know if you have a little boy or anything. You know, and I, I go for a run. I run a lot, and I went for a run, and he's like, I'll go with you, Dad. You know, and I said, okay, it's going to be like three or four miles. Okay, I'll go with you, Dad. And he's going up and down the curbs. You know how they do it. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch how high again. He's like this high off the ground. I'm like, okay, evil can evil. You know, he's just like, you're doing it, you know. And then my daughter was behind me, and she was, she was on a scooter, you know, one of those little racer things, and she's going like this. And, uh, and I was running along, and I was trying to tell her where the little acorns were, where you know, the little rock was, because it's a teeny little will. If she hits the little rock or the acorn, what's going to happen? She's going to flip over and hurt herself. So my son's in front of me, Dad, look, 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 and I'm running, and I'm all, and my daughter's name is Grace. I'm like, watch out for the, the rock, watch out for the rock, Grace, watch out for the acorn, Grace, watch out for the rock. 
And I must have missed one of the rocks or the acorns because all of a sudden they hear, ah! And I turn around and she's laying on the ground. And she's, ah! you know, it's got a little scrape, a little bit of blood, you know, just crying like that. My son turns around, goes back over, and I'm standing there. And I'll never get my son's like seven. He goes, You killed her. <laughs> Mama's gonna be mad at you, you know, this whole thing. He already caught on at seven how this whole marriage thing works. And so. I pick her up, and I dust her off, you know, and drive to you. You want to go back home? No, I can finish. Okay. So my son takes off again. I take off again, and my daughter takes off again. She said something I'll never forget. She's only like seven or eight years old. But she said something I'll never forget. And she's behind me on the scooter. She goes, be careful which way you go, Daddy, because I'm following you. Come on. I've always thought about that in, in my relationship with my kids, that they rarely do what I say, but they most often do what I am. And I have to be careful with that. Then I bring that into the pastoral world. I better be given direction. I better be going down the right path. Be careful which way you go, Pastor, because we're following you. Be careful the strategy that you're laying out. That's why it's so important to be crystal clear. That's why I say to be, un, to be unclear is to be unkind. Now, most churches are, and how this kind of plays out in the local church, I talk about mission and strategy. That's your process. Put it on the screen for me. The word personality got somehow a little stuck there. Um, but you get the idea. Now, here's the thing. Watch this. Most churches will grow to the level of the pastor's personality. Wow. Average church in America is 86 people. Most churches will never, most churches only grow, I'm sorry, to the level of the pastor's personality. And then you know what they do when it's not growing? And they can't get past that 70 or 80 or not, whatever the number is, or 100. They can't get past that. They desperately start reaching for programs. We'll just start adding programs. We're going to add the alpha course, the this course, the that course, the outreach, the men's breakfast, the women's this, the that, whatever. We're going to add all sorts of stuff. But very few of them ever get to the top level. How do we actually do this thing called church? Okay, how do you get more people in your church on Sunday? And how do those people actually, then what do they do when they come on Sunday morning? Then what happens? Then what happens? What does that actually look like? What's the process look like? Steve Ells is the founder of Chipotle, uh, Chipotle and he says this. Steve Ells, the founder of Chipotle, said this. It's not our burritos that make us successful. It's our systems. That's right. We're just really good at systems. Two years ago, McDonald's paid a lot of money for their system. They just bought a system from Steve Ells. Personalities. Most churches grow to the level of the pastor's personality. Let me tell you, it's only going to grow so far at that level. Then we desperately reach for programs. I'm not saying programs are bad, but we rarely ever jump to the real answer to everything, and that is the process. Let me give you the third reasons why churches get stuck when the culture doesn't support the desired outcome. When the culture doesn't support the desired outcome. You ever notice there's a, you know what culture actually is? The word culture just means this, a certain set of attitudes and behaviors. That's what culture is. And your church is forming a culture. Your church is forming a culture. It may or may not have a generosity culture. It may or may not have a, have a uh, an invite culture. We, you know, if, by the way, you know, on the invite culture, just a little side note, you know, for every hundred people in your church, you need anywhere from five to eight people to even have a chance to grow in the first time guests every Sunday. And then below five, we'll barely keep up with the church. So a lot of churches, uh, what happens is, is that they don't, they don't have, they have a desired outcome, but they don't have the culture that supports the outcome. We've all heard this. This is nothing new. Culture trumps vision every time. Culture always wins, no matter what. Culture is the biggest thing. Think about the, the difference in culture. McDonald's and Chick-fil-A. Go to Chick-fil-A. They're all nice, aren't they? How you doing? It's a pleasure to serve you. You go to McDonald's. What are you doing here? It's just different. <laughs> You guys smoking a cigarette, puts the ashes out on the french fries. Welcome! Can you, can you repeat that? Every, every hundred people you need five to... You, you need, need five to eight, eight first-time guests every Sunday. Okay. Below that, below that, you're not going to even be able to keep up with attrition. People that leave, quit, die, whatever they do. And uh, um, so, culture trumps vision every time. Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, Marriott, and Motel 6. Both have beds. Both have sinks, both have showers, both have toilets, both have whatever. But aren't they vastly different? Why? What's the difference? Culture. Culture wins every single time. So what's the desired outcome of your church? We want, we want, to, we want to grow. Okay. Is your culture a culture of invite? Are people actually invited? Because statistically, less than 5% of people in a church 
have even invited anybody in the last 12 months. 95 out of every 100 people in your church haven't even invited anybody in the last 12 months. That's a problem. If you want kingdom growth, if you want transfer growth, that's not a problem. Don't be deceived by either of those. Don't think, we're growing. No, you just have better music than the church down the street. Your kingdom is growing, not the kingdom. Um, so when the culture doesn't support the desired outcome, you know, and, and I think that here's what I find really interesting is, is I think we're really good when we go to a third world country, we adapt to their culture. When we come to our own backyard, we don't adapt very well. And we have to figure out how do we get people in our church inviting more if that's what we want or serving more. The culture, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. I'm going to share with you how to do that in just a moment. But you adapt to the culture. I was on a flight a while back, actually going to Haiti. Eric talked about it. Was a, if it was a different flight to Haiti, I was there. And I uh, went out on the runway. And if you've ever been out on the uh, tarmac, you know, you, you've all fly. You know, you wait a half hour and it's a little irritating. Then you wait an hour, an hour and a half, hour and 45, two hours, you're just sitting on the car. I'm getting hot, sweaty. I'm like, this is a nightmare. And I'm a really upbeat, positive person. But then I was getting frustrated. I was getting so mad, you know. And the people around me were getting negative. So I started getting negative with them. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, burn the plane down. Crucify him, you know. Bring us Barabbas. I was just yelling out anything. To... <laughs> Trying to get the flight to move, you know. And finally, I'm just like, I got to go to the bathroom. So I head back to the, to the restroom and the flight attendant said, no joke. We've been out for two hours, I'm dripping in sweat, and the flight attendant's got the biggest smile on her face. I mean, it's a big old smile. And I'm opening up the door, and I'm thinking, why is she smiling so much? And I look at her, I go, man, I go, you seem pretty happy today. I go, why are you smiling so much? She goes, she leans in, and she's the, she's the flight attendant. She goes, I'm not supposed to talk about it at work, but it's Jesus that makes me happy. Oh. How do you think I felt? Oh. <laughs> I'm the pastor on the flight, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, and to make it worse, no joke, she leans in, no joke, she leans in, she goes, do you know Jesus? <laughs> Apparently not, I thought I did. Um, so she led me to the Lord, and it was, it was awesome. <laughs> Amazing time together. Um, you go to another world, you go to a third world country, you go anywhere, you've been all, been, we've all been to third world countries. There's a culture there. You ever been to Ghana, Africa? You know, holding hands with a guy is just very normal. It doesn't matter what your sexual preference is, very normal. But not here in America, but in God it is. You know, the way they hug and the way they shake hands, everything. It's just different. Not bad or good, it's just different. And the culture. So here's the thing. Does your church have the desire or the culture that matches your desired outcome? What do you really want? Let me give you the fourth thing of why churches get stuck, and then let me give you some quick answers. Number four, when unhealthy leadership behaviors are being tolerated. That's when churches get stuck. Remember the EKG? Okay, it's not only a growth thing, it's a tolerance thing. It's when we, it's when we allow gossip, back office talks, conversations that should happen over and over and over. Let me tell you something. If you've got people that are gossiping a little bit or whatever. I was at a conference a while back with a bunch of pastors. I had a guy raise his hand. And he goes, you know, he goes, you're talking about healthy leadership behaviors, blah, blah, blah. I have a staff member that sometimes just has a bad attitude. No matter how many times I talk to him, he doesn't change. What do I do with this staff member? I said, well, it's easy. And he goes, what? I go, fire him. And he goes, fire him. I go, you can get that for free from a volunteer. I would pay for it. Makes no sense. It's free to get a bad attitude. Here's the thing. Put it on the screen for me. Behaviors only exist in an environment that support them. Whatever behavior that's going on in the church, it's because we allow it. Yeah. Behaviors only exist in an environment that support them. If it, doesn't, if it doesn't support it, it won't exist. It's like taking a corn seed or taking a tomato seed or whatever. It's only going to grow in an environment that supports it. Yeah. It's the same thing with a bad behavior, leadership behavior. If you've got people talking, gossiping, whatever, uh, man, you've got to deal with that. And, and uh, I love what my friend Larry Osborne always talks about. I'd rather have a B player that's, that loves Jesus and loves others than an A player that loves himself. Yeah. Just finding the healthy leadership behaviors and making sure that we are doing the right thing when it comes to leaders. I think we make a lot of mistakes in that area. We put people in positions of leadership that have no business being a leader. Wow. They just don't. They're faithful. Well, Bob's faithful. Bob's a real faithful guy. We'll make him the head of He's faithful. He is. 
He gets here before Jesus does. He leaves. You know, he's just like here all the time. You know, Bob's real faithful, but he's not. He's not a leader. Then when you deputize him as leader, understand he's never been deputized that way anywhere in his life. So when a year later you realize he made a mistake, you try to pull him out, good luck. It's a lot easier to get someone in ministry than it is to get him out. Be careful with that. Be careful with that. So let me help, help you now. Let's go to the, I want to give you three things and, uh, of why, uh, how to get unstuck. So whether you're in whirlwind, whether you feel like you need to choke you, maybe you've moved over to merry-go-round. How do we get unstuck? How do we move to that place where we're having sustainable and continual and duplicatable growth, like in the level of increase? Let me show you. Let me give you just a few things to talk to you about here, and then we'll wrap it up. I'm going to give you a few things that I think are practical and helpful. If you're ready to take some notes, and, and, uh, and even if you've got a little paper right on, because I'm going to draw something out in a minute. Here it is. Ready? How to get unstuck. Number one, you've got to fight for clarity. Say it out loud with me, everybody in the house. Fight for what? Clarity. You got to fight for clarity. You got to get crystal clear on what you're about. And how do you move people from left to right? What do you do? Be careful with that. You know, uh, Disneyland is close by. I remember when my wife and I live here in Southern California. I remember, uh, how many of you have ever been to Disneyland here in Southern California? So my wife and I, uh, our kids were about four or five years old. They'd never been to Disneyland. We had saved about $20,000, so that was enough to get in. (laughs) You got to pray for the Disney family. They're hurting financially, and you should take them on as a missions project. Um, So we went there, we hung out, and uh, we got off the Pirates of the Caribbean, and we walked by the haunted house, and I... I tell my wife, I'm like, hey, let's go on the haunted house. There's no line. And she's like, no, it's too scary for the kids. I'm like, it's Disneyland. How scary can it be? You know, like Mickey would want to hear. You know, it's just, not scary. So, no, no, you go on it. You take the kids if you want to. So she waits outside. I take the kids on the ride. We go in there. If you've ever been in there, the walls stretch, and then you go on the ride. And there's a point where, like, you look in a mirror, and all three of us are in there. Me and my two kids are real small. And there's a ghost behind you. Like, he's got a top hat, you know, and, you know, and he's just dancing. But it's kind of weird because you can't figure out how it's getting in your they freaked. They started screaming and crying, and I was like, you got to drive up before we get out here, you know, and I, I tried to turn it into a leadership lesson, but this is what happens when you don't clean the room, just, just kind of like, <laughs> trying to really, really make it a leadership thing. We get out there, and they're crying, so I'm like, well, we'll fix it, kind of good, you know, so we go, you know, and we had, I don't know, maybe $3,000 left, so that was enough for kind of candy, so we went out to the little cotton candy stand. I said, I'll take a lemonade and a cotton candy or whatever we ordered. And the lady behind the counter, she's like 23, 24 years old. I go, by the way, I go, how you doing today? Because like I said, I'm always kind of like this, you know, pretty up. And she goes, lousy. This is the lady at Disneyland. I'm like, lady, you're at the happiest place on earth. This is, and I go, well, like, at least you got a job. Yeah, but I don't like it. I said, well, I go, you got a car to drive. Yeah, it doesn't run good. I go, do you have a place to live? Yeah, but I don't like remo- remo- re- my roommates. I go, do you like anything? No, I don't like nothing. And, and she's just negative. To that. And my kids are just like, can we go back on the haunted house? This lady's freaking me out. <laughs> and here's the thing. When you meet her, this one lady, here's what I thought. I thought, you are so opposite of what Disneyland is all about. Right. Do you see how clear it was? that like, You didn't seem to match. Whatever. Because you know why it didn't match? Because Disneyland is so clear. Yeah. Yeah. They here's something you need to understand. In absence of clarity, people will arrive to their own conclusion. They're going to arrive to their own conclusion. You think our people don't know what our church is all about. Yeah, yeah. No, they have an opinion, I promise you. And it's not the one you want. I promise you it's not the one you want. Most most often. In absence of clarity, people will arrive to their own conclusion. They're going to come up with an opinion of what the church is and what it's all about. And so you have to be clear. Two things. What do you do? Mission. How do you get it done? Strategy. And let me show you just quickly. I want to, and I don't have a thing more, but we always teach this thing. We teach all the time to think in terms of boxes and batons. Say boxes and batons. Okay, I want you to imagine for a moment, you're just going to have to use a lot of visual, that there's three boxes, okay? Right? You got three boxes up here. Okay? And just for argument's sake, this box called first step, next step, big step. Okay? Now, in between the boxes are little arrows pointing this way. And here's the whole point. Inside of that box number one, I would write things like invite culture. How do we get more people to show up in the same way? Then under invite culture in that box, I would write Sunday services. And then guest reception. Now, what's the point of the invite culture? To get people to come to what? 
Sunday morning. What's the point of Sunday morning? After Sunday morning, I want them to stop by the guest reception and meet some people. Because when they meet people at the guest reception, they're going to go to the next level, and they're going to go to Discover. What are they going to do at Discover? It's an hour thing where they're going to learn how to take next steps in the church, which leads you to box number two. Everybody thinks in terms of batons. I'm running, you're running the guest reception. You know the whole goal is to get people to get to discover. And you know the whole goal is to get people to take a next step. In other words, you understand clearly this is what we do. In our churches, we call it shallow, middle, deep. It's like a swimming pool. Come to the shallow and we're going to move you all the way to the deep. We don't expect people to learn to know how to swim until we teach them how to swim. So we don't throw them in the deep end if they're brand new. But we take them through a very clear... There's no like... what? Because here's the thing. If you don't have clear next steps, in absence of clarity, people arrive at their own conclusion. So if you don't have a clear next step, and I'm kind of new to your church, and I'm like, hey man, I've been at your church for a couple months. Let's say you're not a pastor. I've been at your church for like a month. What do I do? You're going to tell me to join whatever you think is important. Then when I ask you the next Sunday, you're going to tell me whatever you think is important. Rather than everybody saying, well, you got to go to discover. Or you got to go to, you know, road track. we got to go to move the path. Whatever. Whatever it is for you. I don't know what it is for you. But you figure out what it is. And you make sure. Now, if some of you are having trouble with some of those, the growth track, love growth tracks. If you're having a trouble with some of them, put a little shorter on them between do this set and growth track. That's good. Dan, we did that with you, didn't we? Dan's from Northern California, Sacramento area. We've been coaching for about a year. Church has grown quite a bit. Running several services now. Uh, we were coaching and working with him through Church Boom, and he does road track. Awesome. And I said, but he's had a little struggle. I said, put a shorter on, and all of a sudden, things started to change. Things started to take off, got a little bit different. So that's why you got to fight for clarity, because in absence of clarity, people will arrive to their own conclusion. Uh, my wife and I, we were in Japan last year. We went on the, uh, the, the train that goes 300 miles an hour. You know, and they're like, it doesn't even feel like you're moving on that thing, which I now look back and think, I don't even know if we did. We came back and they're like, we're back. I'm like, I don't even think we moved, Elias. And so I'm, I'm still wondering. But anyway, um, it goes like 300 miles an hour. Now, if you take that track, watch this. You take that track and you put it on an old railroad track in Texas that was built in 1870. It doesn't matter that the Japanese bullet train can do 300 miles an hour because it's only going to go 30 miles an hour on that train. Here's why. Because the size and speed will be determined by the structure and strategy. And it's the same with your church. The size and speed of your church will always be determined by the structure and the strategy. Your structure is your leadership. Your strategy is boxes and batons. How do we get people to go over community to private court? Please understand it will always be determined. The size and speed. Your church may want to get to 200, 400, 600, 1,000, grow, free service, that, 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 campuses, all that stuff. But understand, the size and speed will always be determined by the structure of the strategy. The train can go 300 miles an hour, but will not go 300 miles on that structure. You want to go 300 miles an hour as a church, but it's not going on this structure. Let me tell you something. Your church is perfectly designed to get you the result you're getting. It's perfectly designed for it. Yes, sir. Yeah, the size and speed of your church will always be determined by the structure and strategy. Structure is leadership. Strategy is boxes and batons. How do we move people through? Get clear about it. Get crystal clear. So clear that if I go and grab three people from your church that have only been going for two months, and I pull them aside away from you and watch this, and I ask them, what do you think the church is all about? What do you think the church's mission is? What do you think it's all about? They may not say it as clear as this guy's going to say it, but they should say it. Now, here's what I always tell pastors. What you think your church is all about doesn't matter because whatever these new people think, that's what you're communicating. Because yeah. language shapes behavior and behavior shapes culture every time. Yeah. They are, they'll tell you what the church is all about. They may not say it all clean and like we do and all cool, whatever, but they'll tell you what it's about. Fight for clarity. you got to fight for it. You got to know exactly what you're going after. What's your mission? What's your strategy? Let me give you number two, how to get unstuck. Number two, build the culture needed to grow. Now, fight for clarity. Now, this is, guys, I'm telling you, we work with 600 churches a month. We'd love to work with you. But I'm telling you right now, if you fight for clarity, get clear. What's your mission? What's your strategy? You will grow. There are churches we work with. I don't, 
There's several churches we work with, a few of them in the Midwest, some of them living in the Midwest area. And I know, I've seen the pastor preach, he's, he's okay. Uh, I've seen the worship, it's like, you know, I think the rocks are going to cry out. It, it's, uh, it's just not that good. <laughs> Ladies up there playing piano with mittens, you know. But, um, but I got to tell you, I got to tell you, man. I'll tell you, I'm thinking of one church right now. A year and a half ago, they, they never broke 80 in their life. Ever. They've been in church for 10 years. 12 years. Never broke 80. They, last week, they had 260. In like 14, 15, 16 months. You know what? I don't know if the worship got all that much better. I don't know if the message has got all that much better. But I can tell you what they did. They got crystal clear. Yeah. Yeah. We do invite culture. Then we do Sunday morning, which leads to guest reception, which leads to, to discover, you know, which is like a meet the pastor thing, which leads to they had this real clear thing and they are just working the system. Let me tell you something. If you work the system, the system will work. Most people live at personality. Some go to program, but very few go to process. Go to process and watch what happens. It creates duplicatable and sustainable growth. Second thing, right up there, build the culture needed to grow. Let's quickly talk about that. That is called the invite culture. I want to spend a little bit of time on that to help you get more people in your church on Sunday morning. Ready? Let me, let me give you this. And I want to put it on this. How is culture created? Put it up on the screen for me. Three things. Stories you tell, the heroes you make, and the things you celebrate. Okay, listen, listen. I want more. Uh, this guy says, I want more people. I want people to invite more often. She says, well, I want more people to serve in our church. I want more people to be generous. It doesn't matter what culture you're going after. Whatever culture you're going after... Stories you tell, the here's you make things yourself. Let me give you a sentence to sum all that up. Ready? Here it is. Tell stories about the behaviors you want repeated. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Very simple. Now, let's go with the invite culture. Let's just spend a couple minutes on that. Okay, we're winding this down. Let's spend a couple minutes on that. Ready? Here it is. On the invite culture. Let's just talk about invite. Let me give you an example. Example. Okay, if you were to come to one of our campuses, here's how baptism would, would look. Okay? There's going to be a horse-looking trough tank up there. <laughs> you know, you, you, you've all bought those things. And uh, you get that thing up there. And then during worship, worship's going on. I'm playing guitar, let's say. I'm not the worship leader, but at one of our campuses, the guy's leading worship. Hey, we got a couple people being baptized. Boom, the light kind of picks up over there. The guy's inside the tank. We'll call him Rick. Rick's inside the tank. You know, and hey, Rick, how long have you been going to the church? Some host pastor or whatever. How long have you been going to the church? Oh, I've been going for six months. Oh, you finally came. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're getting baptized today. Who brought you, Rick? Oh, my friend John did. Oh, John brought you. Now, John's standing there with Rick. Now, he's standing there with him. He's not at the table with him. Now, John, how did you get him to come to church? How did you get him to come? Oh, man. I've been, I've been, uh, uh, him and I have been working out together every Monday morning. We play racquetball for the last three years. He finally showed up, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Now, we're, now, watch, watch, watch. We're going to celebrate Rick because he's getting baptized, but we're going to go nuts. Nuts over John. Why? Because we're going to make a hero out of him. We're going to celebrate him. And we're going to tell the story we want repeated. I'm telling you right now, it works. And by the way, he'll also, John will also be the Baptist. Because we want it to be all about John celebrating this guy that reached the unchurched. Listen to me. Here's what you do. Ready? Take the first and third of every month. Take the second and fourth. Whatever you want to do. And start telling invite stories. Tell, them. tell stories about the behaviors you want repeated. Whether that's what? Through baptism. Or, on a silly right for a moment, let's just, through baptism. Or maybe, maybe you have someone, someone that's collecting the stories that have done through baptism. Maybe two weeks later, maybe two weeks later, it's just going to be, it's just going to be uh, someone that goes and grabs an iPhone and says, hey man, I'm standing here with Bobby, and Bobby, man, how long have you been on the church? Oh, I've been coming here for six months. Man, you're bringing a lot of people. Yeah. You brought like eight people in the last three months. Why are you doing that? Oh, I gave my life to Christ, and I want them to experience what I experienced. Now watch, we take that little iPhone free, doesn't cost anything, iPhone interview after greeting time or after worship or whatever, when people are sitting down, it comes up on the screen. They see a little interview for one minute, and then the host pastor, whoever comes up and says, you see what just happened on there? Bob, what Bobby's doing? Bobby's doing what this church is all about. That's it. And then maybe two weeks later, it's not that. Maybe it's just people greet or whatever, and all of a sudden there's two stools up here, and someone's just interviewing another person. Maybe it's a life change story that's really awesome, and you connect it to them being invited by someone. But I'm telling you right now, if you want to grow, you got to get more people showing up on Sunday. I know that's like, whoa, that's deep. How do you do that in Hebrew? That's what Hebrew <laughs> And if you want to grow, tell invite stories and people will start inviting. 
Culture is always like that. Culture is like a river. It's moving in a direction. If I had a, if I take this book, let's call it, let's pretend it's a stick, and the river's moving this way, you throw the stick into the river, and it's going to go that way. Let me tell you something. The, the people in your church, they're going the flow of your river. If no one's inviting, guess what? They won't invite you. The new people. No one's getting, they won't care. No one's serving, no one. They won't serve. They're going to go the direction of the river. Start telling stories about the behaviors you want repeated. So maybe, maybe you're like, man, we got an invite issue, and we got a generosity issue. We got an invite issue, we got a serving issue. Guess what? First and third of the month, you tell an invite story. Second and fourth of the month, you tell a serving story. Then you blast it out on social media. I'm telling you right now, nobody cares what the owner of the restaurant thinks about his food. We only care what the customer thinks. So get customers up there to talk about the things you want everybody else to do, and then they'll do it. It's not that tricky. Now, don't be like some of the people we go to, like, dude, we've been doing it for almost a month and nothing's changed. I'm like, um, you, you told two stories twice. Now you're ready. Well, we haven't seen revival yet. <laughs> nothing's happening. It's going to take a while. You're changing culture. You're actually moving a river to start flowing this way. So think about that. And uh, uh, let me give you the last thing is, because I want to be done on time. We've got about six minutes left, seven minutes left. How to get on, according to this watch that I inherited. Um, this, is amazing, this is really nice, dude. I mean... I give you a tax write off. Um, <laughs> how to get unstuck? Let me give you number three. Develop a leadership environment. Number three. Put on the screen for me. We could develop a leadership environment. It's not on there. Oh, something went wrong. Okay, that's all right. Just write develop a leadership environment. So we have fight for clarity, build a culture needed to grow, and develop a leadership environment. Let me tell you something. Under 100, you minister to people. Over 100, you have to minister through people. There's just a difference that happens. Remember when it says that Saul had his thousands, but David had his ten thousands? Watch this. What, what's your number here? Jared. Jared? Yeah. Okay. Jared. Yeah. Jared is, maybe he has the ability, I'm just going to use round numbers. This guy's got the ability to grow a church to 200 just by himself. Great. That's awesome. So we put a circle on the board. With Jared, 200 people. But that's personality. So as far as it will go. But guess what? What if he raises up? A bunch of pieces that David in the story. David has his 10,000, Saul has his thousands. Jared has his 200. What if he raised up four, five, six key leaders that were around you that had the ability to influence 50, 75, 50, 75, 50? All of a sudden, the churches at 400, 500, 600 because it revolves around the leadership issues. Your church isn't going to outgrow it. Remember, KG, it's one to grow, but if the leadership doesn't catch up, it'll always come back up. It's not just your leadership, it's the people around you. It's the ability to influence. It's growing. It's developing. That's what it is. Developing a leadership influence. When the leadership increases, so goes the church. But understand something. Leadership development doesn't happen by accident. You don't... You did not wander in to a lack of leadership, and you will not wander out. You just have to grow, and you have to develop. Let me give you this last statement. When we embrace where we are, we can change where we're headed. But let me add one more thing to that. When we embrace where we are, we can change where we're headed. Until then, we will remain stuck. When we embrace where we are, we can change where we're headed. But until then... We will remain stuck. Let me tell you something. I want to encourage you, above anything else, to remember these three things to get unstuck. you got to fight for clarity. you got to develop the right kind of culture in your church. Tell stories about the behaviors you want repeated and leadership. Notice the two things we talked about mostly. Structure, leadership, and strategy. Because your size and your speed of your organization church will always be determined by the structure and the strategy. A while back, I went to go speak in Costa, Costa Rica. I like going to places like that to speak. <laughs> but I'm, I'm thinking about just targeting those places for current campuses. Our Maui campus, our Costa Rica campus. You know, praise God. They can't be reached. Anyway, so I went to Costa Rica and um, went and spoke at this uh, I don't know, conference, did all this stuff. And I took a guy with me, big old tall guy. He's like, I don't know, six, seven, six, eight, little tall friend of mine, you know, and he just stands out like a sword bone. He's like, eh, there he is. In Costa Rica, they're not all that tall, and he's just walking by. And we were really not in a nice area. We were really in a poor, kind of third world country area. And uh, long story short, we had this day off, and I was like, went down to the front desk of this little hotel. I use that term lightly. And I said, hey, man, I go, we got a free day. What do we do? And he goes, man, if I were you, I'd go zip landing. 
And uh, he goes, he goes zip lining at the Serapipi River. Serapipi River is where they filmed Jurassic Park. And I was like, ooh, that'd be cool. Anybody ever zip line before? Anybody zip line in a third world country? Because a totally different experience. <laughs> totally different. Hey, I live in Hawaii. Everybody's happy and safe. Not there. Um, so we get on a bus. We go on a bus ride for two hours. It's 60 people. There's only eight people on the bus. I'm like, they're going to take us through the wilderness and kill us. And so we're up in the, in the forest. And then, watch this, we get off the bus. I'm like, oh, we're here. He goes, no, 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 not yet, not yet, almost here. We get on a boat ride for an hour down the river. There are alligators everywhere. We are in the wild. No joke. I've never been in the wild like this. After the boat ride, I'm like, okay, we're here. He goes, no, 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 we get on horses now. And they're like really thin, kind of Jenny Craig type horses. They're really thin. <laughs> And small, and my, my friend that's like six eight, his feet are like dragon. Get out, you know. <laughs> You're my favorite deputy. And so, and he's just dragging along. And then we finally get to where we gotta go, right? And the guy there at the at the, at the place, he's like, <laughs> you gotta, he starts putting these little things on. If you never zip line, it's just a harness, a cable, and you click, and you put your feet up, and kind of you know down like this. And so we're kind of getting our harnesses all fixed up. And goes, okay, you follow this man, you follow this guy. And I'm like, don't we? And I asked the guy, go, don't we need to sign anything? I'll never forget it. And he goes, why are you signing something? <laughs> and I go, well, what happens if we die? You know, or you, you get sued or something? He goes, oh, you have medicants. I'll never forget. Look at me. He goes, if you die, we leave. I'm like, that's it? <laughs> Boom! We hit the ground. They just start rolling up the cable. <laughs> at some points, there's 60 stories in the air. 60 stories. And you're going from one tree to the next, you know? And then you, you get to the tree, and then you have to have, like, a little platform. You stand on the tree, and you and the cable goes on to this little other thing. And you're hanging on a little tree out in the, in, the, in the wild, you know, the rainforest. And you're 60 stories in the air over a ravine. It's crazy. Well, about halfway down, I was the first one to go. And there was, like, six of us. I was the first one to go on this one. I'm sitting there waiting I'm with the guy and waiting for the other five people to come, you know? And I'm sitting there, like, just hanging on to this tree. And this guy looks so young to me. So finally, I just asked him, you know? I said... He's in charge of our life. You know, he's checking the cable, and I go, I go, hey, excuse me, I go, how old are you? I broke broken English. I go, how old are you? No joke. He goes, 15. I go, what? He was 17? Like, that made it better. <laughs> oh, he was 17. Now I feel safe. <laughs> now, here's the thing that I learned on that, on that day. Uh, we went to our uh, bus ride, but we had to be willing to get out of that vehicle if we wanted to accomplish our vision. The vision was to go zip lining. But if I wasn't willing to get out of the bus and get into a different vehicle, then I'd have to be willing to give up the vision. I don't know what your vision is, but there may be a couple vehicles you need to get out of. Hey, I'm not that clear. I need to get into a clarity. I'm not getting any coaching. I need some coaching. I'm not getting any help. I need some help. We don't have the right culture, so what we're doing isn't working, so we better try something else, because one of two things is going to happen. Today, you're going to give up the vehicle, or you're going to give up the vision. I promise you, one of them is going to go. They have to. So, fight for your clarity. Develop. Develop the right kind of culture, especially that invite culture, and develop the leaders in yourself. That's how you get Unstuck. Let me just, in the last couple minutes, and I don't know if Eric comes and closes, whatever happens there, but um, just a couple things. Number one, I want to give you something for free. I'm going to give you a month free. It's, uh, we, we do a thing called Church Boom. It's Church Boom. It's digital experience. So if you have your phone, you can, I'm going to give it to you right now. You're going to text the word, one word. You're going to text the word Church Boom to 31996. 31996. 31996, and then you text the word church boom, all one word, don't separate them, all one word, and then they're going to ask you for an email, and then we're going to give you a month free to try out church boom if you want to try it out, plus with your email, now we're going to start sending you blogs and podcasts and all sorts of great information, sometimes we send out free books and stuff like that, so make sure you text the word church boom, all one word, to 31996. Secondly is, everything that I just talked about today is in this right here. When your church feels stuck, it's right up there. Um, and uh, Andy Stanley endorses it. It's not the real Andy Stanley. It's the guy that I met at, at Life Insurance Policy. <laughs> but no, he had the same name, so I figured, what the heck? No, um, but it's a book I wrote that came out last year. It's, it's a set of unavoidable questions every leader must answer. What I talked about here today, plus more, is all in this book. Now, we got it for sale here. They're only 10 bucks. They're cheaper than going to Amazon. Or you can get them at the bookstore, but you get them here. There's only like two boxes here. So, But here's what I encourage you to do. 
And, and this is, I mean this with all my heart, this is not, there's not a big motive behind it. Buy five, buy eight, buy some for your team, walk through it a chapter at a time. It literally has questions, exercises, things you do on the whiteboard. This is the how-to of getting clear on your mission and your strategy and your leadership. I'm telling you, it'll help your church. Last thing I want to say is this. I came out with this book, and it's done really well. It's called Quit Church. Write this down. It's called quitchurch.com. This book, it can actually become a series in your church. It's not about quitting church. It's about getting your people to realize that the way we approach church isn't working. Generosity isn't working like it should. Serving isn't working like it should. What if everybody served and was generous? This book, if you go to quitchurch.com, you can buy the book here, check it out, buy a couple for whoever. But if you, if you get this book and you go to quitchurch.com, you'll have six sermon series, six small group videos, and all the graphics you need for free. There's a couple people in here that are doing Quit Church as a series. That's the goal, that you would do it as a series in your church. But you can buy the book, check it out, go to quitchurch.com and get all the free information. It's all there for you. It has been an absolute joy to be with you guys, and what an honor. And I'll be standing out here hanging out. I'd love to answer any question that you have. Come and see me afterwards. I want to do whatever I can to help you get your church unstuck. I'm going to pray real quick. I'm going to turn over to you if that's okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come and just ask that you would touch each person in this place. God, in this room are incredible lions of leaders, God. And I pray that you would shake our hearts today, God. Awaken us to new ideas, new thoughts, new concepts. God, that we could reach our cities and our world in a more effective way for the gospel. God, wherever we learn it, however we can coach, however we can develop, just help us to learn, grow, develop. So, God, that we can raise up healthy, growing churches for the cause of Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. It was fun being with you. Eric's up. I'm done.